Good morning. I am not Groot. I am also not uh, Pastor Matt. But uh, he, uh, every uh, year, Paragon does a At the Movie series in the summer, and I think every year that I've been here, I've had the privilege and the honor to speak at at least one of those, uh, one of those uh, teachings. And um, Pastor Matt, as you heard, is uh, at a conference right now in Phoenix, so he asked if I would uh, be interested in teaching. I said yes, and he asked me which movie I wanted to do, so I picked the one that I had seen. And um, it's been a busy year. So I wanted to uh, ask you questions about who these guys were, because the interesting thing about Guardians of the Galaxy is that they struggle, this, this group, almost every single member, struggles with figuring out who they are and what their purpose is. Which is kind of ironic when you given that the name of your team is Guardians of the Galaxy. That seems like a big purpose right there. Just saving the galaxy, that's all we got to do. But this is their struggle. And they struggle with who they are, each member, who they are, what they should be doing, what their purpose is. And Guardians of the Galaxy 2, even more than the first movie, really dives into that question of what's, who are we and what are we supposed to do? And so we're going to look at just three examples. We're going to look at three, not, not the whole group, but we're going to look at three of the characters and some of the questions and the struggles that they have with identifying who they are and what their purpose is. We're going to do it without spoilers, I promise you, if you haven't seen it. But we are going to look at that, and then we're going to look and see what Scripture says about us in relation to identity and purpose as well. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in, and we'll, uh, we'll explore this. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that when it comes to questions about who we are and questions about what we're made to do, you are not silent on this topic. We thank you that you give us so much material information, so much conversation about who we are, and about what it is that we are to do. Lord, we live at a weird time, and we are a funny people, and we have split the ideas of identity and purpose to such a degree that they both suffer. And I just pray this morning as we, as we have some fun, as we explore a, a great story, I just pray that you would really teach us about the greatest story, about who we are and about how that informs our purpose. So I pray that you would lead this time. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me, communicate your heart and your mind and your thoughts this morning. I pray that you would open our hearts and our, our minds, Lord, and we come to you and just ask you to fill us and teach us. And these things we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world, recreates us all in a brand new image. Amen. So, before we jump into talking about the movie a little bit, let's just talk about the, set, the idea of identity a little bit, of who we are. I had a friend tell me a story once. <clears throat> he was trying to communicate to me, uh, I think, a sense of perspective. I think he wanted to communicate uh, what he had learned uh, about humility. And so he said, think of a bucket of water. Okay. And he said, here's who you are. He says, you are one drop in a bucket of water. Think of removing a small ladle of water and see how the water fills back in without any hole being left in its wake. And you are only one drop in that bucket. You make no difference to the hole. Well, that's a perspective. It's one that makes me want to throw myself off an edge of a cliff. But it's a perspective. I understand what he's saying. We, we do need to have some understanding that we are not the center of the universe, Right? 
But there's a long way between the center of the universe and somebody who leaves no hole when you are gone. And so let me just say that, to give you some relief, the Scripture does not say that. For all the perspective that Scripture gives us about God being God and you not being God, which is completely accurate and true, for all the perspective Scripture gives us about you not being the center of the universe, which is completely true, for all the perspective Scripture gives us to encourage us to be full of humility, which is completely true, it never says this. Because what's the point of a life that makes no difference to the whole? What does it matter what you do with your life if when you're gone there's no hole left in the bucket? It just fills in around you. So just briefly, I just want to remind you some things that Scripture does say about who you are. And if you think about it, one of the best places to do that is go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis 1. And let me just read you a little bit of Genesis 1. Just listen for a moment. And let me just read you a little bit of what it says, kind of leading up to the creation of mankind. It says, And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And a little bit later it says, And God said, that Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. We hear this repeated phrase over and over in this, according to their kind. And you stop and you think about what that means. And what it means is this. It means that when God went to create a bird, he created it according to what a bird is. But there had been no such thing as a bird before God created it. So where did that come from? It came from an idea. It came from a concept. It came from a blueprint in God's own head. That God said, this is what a bird is. And then he created things according to what a bird was. And then he had a blueprint for what a horse is. And he created things according to that. And then he had a blueprint for what a donkey or a, or a cow or an ox or a, a fish or a sea creature. He created them according to what they were in that external blueprint. He had an idea. And he created them according to that. It's an interesting thing philosophers have discussed for hundreds and hundreds of years is our ability to recognize something we've never seen before. Plato puts it this way. He says that if I ask you to define for me what a horse is, you will start to describe all the parts of a horse. You will say they're brown or they're gray or they're black or they're white and they have four legs and they have, I I can't describe horses well, but you would do better. And you would describe that horse and then Plato would say, great, but is that a horse? And you would say, yes, and he would say, okay. So now I take you to a field where there's a horse that I know that has three legs instead of four. And when you look at that horse, do you say, I don't know what manner of creature that is? Or do you say, that's a horse with three legs? Somehow we're still able to recognize that it is made according to its kind. Perhaps, says Plato, I can take you to a field far, far away from here where there's a horse unlike any you've ever seen that is polka-dotted with purple and green spots. And your response will still be, That is the strangest horse I've ever seen. They are made according to their kind. Now, there's a moment here I have to stop, and I have to just ask you this question because there's no other time I get to tell these dad jokes to large groups of people. 
What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. <laughs> what do you call a cow with two legs shorter than the others? Lean beef. What do you call a... Um... Oh, sorry. I forgot, forgot the joke for a second. What do you call a sterilized cow? Decaffeinated. That has nothing to do with our teaching today. But like I say, I don't get to tell those often. So, but back to the idea of these things are made according to their kinds. As, as God goes through and creates these things, he creates each of them with this blueprint, this external blueprint in his head. But the most amazing thing about this passage is the part we didn't read. What's amazing about this passage is that if things just followed the same, when he got to creating man, you would think that he would say, let us now create man according to its kind. That would be amazing enough in and of itself, wouldn't it? To be created according to a concept that God has in his head, a blueprint, an external idea that God has, and he creates humankind that way, but it doesn't say that. And God saw that it was good, and then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you understand the wonder and the amazing of this statement? Amazing moment here? He doesn't just say, let us create mankind according to their kind. He says, we're going to create them according to my kind. Whoa, that's crazy. That's a long way from a drop in a bucket. You agree? No, understand. Please, let me be as clear as I can be. We will never be gods by sheer nature of the fact that we are not infinite. We had a created date when God created us. Being God means having no created date. We will never be that, but we are something, aren't we? We are created in God's image. That's got to mean something to our lives. Now, you may know the story. And the truth is that after this creation, there's a terrible tragedy that occurs. There's a terrible choice that's made. And the choice is made to walk away from this purpose and to walk away from this identity. And as a result of that, there's a corruption of the entire universe, including mankind. The image of God is stained, is blotted. The part of us that speaks to God is destroyed and executed. You can still see, if you look around you, if your eyes are open, you can still see the original glory of the master's handiwork underneath but the corruption is there, and the stain is there. So God didn't leave it at that. Long story short, God decided through sending his own son to live as the perfect human, to die on our behalf on the cross, that at that cross, Jesus recreates us back to the image we were designed for. It says in 2 Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's also a long way from a drop in a bucket. So 
We were created in the image of God. That becomes spoiled. And Jesus comes to die on the cross, not merely to wink at our sin, to forgive us our sin, to say it's okay, no big deal, because it is a big deal. Jesus died on the cross to actually clear the stain, remove the stain, take away the stain, in truth to recreate us back to the image of God and the righteousness of God. That's who you are. Now, there's a lot I could say about that, and the truth is I've spent 25 years and almost every teaching I ever give I touch on this topic because it is so vastly important to us. But one of the things that's also important is that our purpose in life, our sense of belonging, what we do that makes an impact on the world flows from who we are. And it's always been that way. If you think back earlier in Genesis, it said, let us create them in our image. Why? Do you remember why? He said, so that they may rule. So that they may represent God to the entire world. So that they may rule over the plants and the birds. He goes on and he says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now clearly, we're intended to rule as good fathers of the world in the way that God would. But there's a purpose that's attached to this identity. We see that again under the recreation of Jesus. We'll see that a little bit later in this teaching. So our identity, our creation came first and our purpose flowed from that. And this is so important to understand because when we seek it in different directions, we get lost. But the big question, the really important question, the question in everybody's mind right now is what does that have to do with these guys? Well, the truth is, this is the struggle that they have. This is the struggle they go through. And I think I can help you understand some of the questions that we have in regards to our identity and purpose if we look at three examples from this group of ragamuffin uh, guardians of the galaxy. Rocket. So Rocket's origin is very interesting. Rocket's creation is fascinating because he is, in fact, a created creature, created by men. He is created as a sort of genetic experiment, a hybrid genetic approach. He doesn't even like being called a raccoon. It just happens he looks like one. But he's created as this genetic experiment, as this, this warrior raccoon. But in essence, in every point, what he really is, and he believes this to be true of himself, is that he is a mistake. He is something unusual and abnormal and something that should not be. He is a mistake. And a mistake, by definition, doesn't have anything it's supposed to do. A mistake, by definition, isn't supposed to even be. And so Rocket is very clear in his head that a mistake has no purpose. So if he is a mistake, that is his identity. That leads him to the sense of purpose, which is that he has none which leaves him free to do anything he wants. There's good and bad here. Being a mistake is a terrible thing to feel, and it's a terrible thing to be. On the other hand, he kind of holds to that because it prevents him from any accountability for doing anything worthwhile. It's pretty much a mistake that he's one of the guardians of the galaxy. (laughs) It's pretty much an accident, and that's the way he likes it but it also makes him miserable. 
So he finds no real purpose in life except to live out as a mistake would, to do to live only as he wants to live, to do only what drives him at the moment, only what appeals to him at a given moment. I think the lesson here for us is obvious. Know who you are, because you are not a mistake. You are not here by accident. You are not here because the universe accidentally produced you. Whatever your understanding of science and evolution is, we need to understand that regardless of how we think we got here, it is God who decided that you would be you. And it is God who decided that you should be here. Psalm 139 says that God knows us intimately, that he wove us together in the womb, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look, I know the reality. It is easy for me to wake up in the morning and as I'm getting dressed, not see myself as very fearful or wonderful. It is easy when I do something stupid and I watch how it impacts my family or people around me to not see anything wonderful in who I am. It is easy for me when I look at where my life is and think about where it could be Think about the dreams and the visions that I had at the age of 20 and wonder if there's anything wonderful in the way I've done this. You are not a mistake. This is something God wants us to understand. This is something God spends time in Scripture trying to communicate to us. Because if you're a mistake, then it doesn't matter what you do. It's just a mistake. But if you were created by God, in the image of God, with a purpose to do things that God calls you to do, if you were created with a purpose, then you'll be more likely to live out that purpose. The truth is that the idea of identity, the truth of identity, everything that Scripture tells us about identity is startling if you really believe it and you really look at it. And it is life-changing. And if understanding that you are not a mistake has not changed your life, I want to challenge you to explore it, pursue it, seek to embrace it and understand it until it does. Because it's that big. Again, I'm only touching on it here today. But there's so much there. And the richness of it is so large. Even with the complete corruption of the universe, the original glory of the Master's creation is still visible even in those who have not come to the Lord. There's still something amazing in a human. And even more amazing is that if you have accepted what Christ did on the cross in your behalf, then through Christ you are recreated. You are, says Paul, a new creation. You are, says Paul, a child of God. You are, says Paul, righteous. You are holy. You are set apart. Paul doesn't say you should be these things. He says you are these things. The purposes flow from understanding that's who you are. You are not a mistake. Seek it. Grasp it. Embrace it. Don't let it go. You're not a mistake. 
But Rocky isn't the only one of the three who struggles with identity and purpose. Maybe this isn't your problem. Maybe you believe all that. Maybe you understand that. How about the Star-Lord himself? It's interesting when I ask that one of the names that I routinely forget from the Guardians of the Galaxy, I had to ask my daughter just the other day. There's two names I always forget. One is the blue guy, so good for you for remembering that. His name is Yondu. The other one is the Star-Lord. I always forget what his actual name is because I remember the actor is uh, Chris Pratt, and I remember that he calls himself Star-Lord, but I can never remember what his actual name is. It's Peter Quill, right? Did I get it this time? Okay. It's because it's written down here. But that's fascinating to me because it's part of who he is, is that he feels like life has randomly happened to him. Do you understand that? His life has been fairly random. I mean, he was doing just fine, kind of, hanging out. His dad disappeared and left him, and then he's with his mom, and then his mom dies, and then he gets captured by aliens. That's pretty random. Then he gets flown around the universe, and he has no idea what he's really supposed to be doing. Life is just kind of pulling him where it wants, and it all feels very random and unintentional and purposeless to him. But unlike Rocket, he's not willing to accept the idea that there should be no purpose to his life. And he's not willing to accept the idea that he's just happenstance and random. So what he does is he begins to create an identity for himself through his purpose. He says, if I can just create a big enough purpose, then I'll be somebody. So he creates literally an identity. And how much bigger an identity can you create than Star-Lord? That's really big. I think the audacity of it is supposed to kind of make us go, who does he think he is? And his answer is, I am Star-Lord. And he creates this identity through purpose. He tries to make identity flow from purpose. He says, if I can just do enough of the right things, then I will be somebody. But the truth is, behind it all, and the second movie really deals with this, the question of his origin story. Every superhero has an origin story, and his is incomplete. His seems so random. And the question of his origin story haunts him. The question of who his father is, and who does that make him? And there were hints in the first movie that his father is perhaps an alien. Well, that becomes a big question when you ask, who am I? And so he begins to to wrestle with that, but he doesn't wrestle with it too much. Instead, he just tries to create who he is through his purpose. This is really important because this is an easy trap. Your identity does not flow from your purpose. Can you create yourself by creating your purpose? The answer is no, but it's the thing that we try most often to do. If you just get that next promotion, or if you can just raise the perfect kids, or if you can get the perfect grades, or if you can create a piece of art or writing or film or a building or a mathematical equation, if you can just do something that changes the world, then you will be somebody. But you know what? Even after you do that, you are still you. You're still you. Your purpose doesn't make you you. See, we we get it backwards. It's not that your, your identity flows from your purpose. It's that your purpose flows from your identity. You need to know who you are before God. You need to know who you are in Christ. And then your purpose will become clear from there. If instead you try to create yourself by your purpose, then you are taking the role of creator in an inappropriate manner. And the self that you create will never 
ever, ever be as good, as amazing, as fearfully and wonderfully made as the self that God created. That's hard for us to believe because our world applauds people who have created themselves by their purpose. Our world applauds people who identify themselves by what they do. In fact, trying to identify yourself not by what you do is difficult. We have a hard time even figuring out how to do that. But it's so important. In fact, without giving any kind of uh, spoilers away, the problem here is that to our, our purpose and our identity, our purpose flows from our identity and our purpose has to do about with serving. And so it's one thing to know who you are, it's another thing to know whom you serve because we're resistant to that idea of service right off the bat. If I'm Star-Lord and I can create myself a Star-Lord, I don't have to serve anybody. Then I'm just Star-Lord. <laughs> and so we resist this idea of service because service sounds so oppressive. It sounds so humiliating. It sounds so servant-like. We don't want to serve. But the truth is this. Your purpose flows from your identity. And like it or not, you were created to be a servant. That's your identity. And your purpose, therefore, is to serve. And you know what? Here's the trick. Here's the thing you have to begin to embrace and understand. It doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. You will always serve something. Always Always, always. You don't know how to live without it. You can't live without it. You will always serve something. There's a whole thing in the second movie, and again, without a spoiler, just to let you know, there's a whole little thing. They make a direct reference to little G gods, where they talk about little G gods. And one of the questions that Peter Quill has to wrestle with is, does he want, would he rather be a little G god or would he rather serve somebody else? Well, that sounds like a no-brainer. <laughs> Coming from his perspective, I'd rather be a little G-God than serve somebody else. But he begins to realize, and we begin to see as we watch the movie, that as he succumbs to the temptation to be a little G-God, he becomes more enslaved than he's ever been in his life. And that is how it works with you. Know whom you serve. You do serve someone. Know whom you serve. Know whom you were created to serve. And what if serving doesn't mean something small? See, the truth is, if you don't serve something great, you will serve something small. And what if serving something great actually means being great? What if that's where greatness comes from? What if Jesus ever said something like that? Only about 19 times through the Gospels. Did he say that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the servant of all? You will serve something. What if you were created to serve God, but what if that service isn't as a slave to a master, nor as an employer to a boss who simply gets recompensed? Some of us treat God that way. We even talk about working for God, which is a fine title. I understand it. But it feels a little weird. It feels like we're waiting for our paycheck. What if instead we serve the way a paintbrush serves a master painter? 
and producing something amazing? What if we serve like a soldier serves a great leader or a builder serves a great architect? What if we serve in a way that matches who we actually are and produces something incredible and we get to share in that? It's an interesting verse, more than interesting. It's an amazing verse. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is a verse a lot of you have heard. It says, for by grace we have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, but a gift of God so that no one can boast. That's really good. The verse right after that is even better. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Could it be that you don't actually have to create a great purpose for your life? Could it be that you don't have to figure out some great work in order to be someone? Could it be that you are already someone and the good works are waiting for you to simply show up? Could it be that like every superhero story you've ever seen, every movie you've ever watched on superheroes, that you actually have an origin story that talks about how you, mild-mannered Clark Kent, geeky high school student Peter Parker... How you actually, in fact, normal though you are, are destined to do something, to be somebody's hero, sometime, somewhere, maybe even repeatedly. That's what this verse says. It says more than that destiny drew you to be a superhero. I think we, some of us hate origin stories. Some of us are getting tired of them. Some of us love them. But I think the reason they have an appeal in general is because the origin story says to all of us, what if destiny or fate or the universe or God actually did have plans for me so that what appears to be random isn't random? Could it be that you have been created to be part of something amazing? Could this actually be who you are? And therefore, could walking in those good works be your purpose? One more struggle. Oh, still says Star-Lord at the top. That's how bad this is. I even misidentified this poor guy. He says Yondu. I just forgot to change that. I'll change it before the next service. Yondu struggles with who he is because of the way he's lived his life and the choices he's made. He feels trapped into being somebody because of the choices he made. Because of the purposes. It's like the flip side of the Star-Lord who tries to create himself from his purposes. Yondu feels like he has created himself from the purposes he's chosen, and he's not happy about it. To avoid spoilers, I'm not going to say anything more about him. But I will say that we too often feel trapped by our choices. We look at our histories, and we look at the things we've done, and we feel like this is where we are, and there is nothing we can do to redeem it, and there's no way that things will get better, and there's no way we can be at a different place. And Paul says, in one sense, you are correct, that you are obligated to your choices, and you are bound to your choices, and the only way out of this bondage is through Jesus Christ, is through his death on the cross. But then as you've been recreated, says Paul, you're no longer enslaved to those things. In fact, if you look at the last verse we read, it goes on to say to us that actually those things become part of God's masterwork in your life to create you to be that incredible masterpiece for somebody else. If you've received salvation and you still struggle and you still feel trapped in the choices you've made since then, remember that Paul says very clearly, 
You are not what you do. That's very hard for us to grasp. Paul says your identity is determined by what Jesus did at the cross. He made you holy. He made you righteous. He made you his child. You are not determined by what you do. You are not, a, you are not created by that. He looks at the Corinthian church, Paul does, which is a church that was doing all sorts of terrible, horrible things. And his exhortation to them throughout the Scriptures is not be somebody else. His exhortation to them over and over is why are you acting like mere men? Isn't that a weird thing to say to mere men? He wants them to understand they're not mere men. Sometimes we fear that if we truly rely on Jesus and His work on the cross, if we believe what I just told you, that you're holy and righteous because of what Jesus did and not because of what you do, if you hear me correctly and I say to you, your holiness is not based upon what you do, some of us fear if we take that seriously, it will lead us then to live lives of licentiousness. Let me share with you a verse. 1 John chapter 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. John starts with an identity verse. You are children of God. God says it, and it's true. He says both, like we might forget. I love that he doesn't just say, see how great the Father's love is that he calls us this. And then we walk away going, well, he calls us that, but he doesn't mean it. No, John says, you are. Then he says, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. When Christ appears, we won't look at him and be falling in complete, utter shame that we're nothing like him. Jesus promises us he is strong enough and powerful enough that when we see Jesus, we will be like him. We shall see him as he is and know that we are like him. We won't be deceived about who he is, but we also won't be deceived about who we are. The family resemblance will be clear. Then he says this amazing thing. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Believing, believing that Jesus has made you holy and righteous, believing that when you see him, you will be like him, does not lead you to a life of licentiousness. Believing that leads you to live a life that is in keeping with who you are. Your purpose flows from that identity. There's a verse which puts all these together, and we're going to wrap up with this today. It's so easy to read this verse wrong, but think about everything we've talked about. And, and listen, and, and I'll give you a couple thoughts here. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. There's the point of service, right? You were created by God for His service, so live that way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's what we miss. He starts this passage by saying, in view of God's mercy, and what Paul has been talking about through the book of Romans up to this chapter is that God's mercy didn't just forgive you, God's mercy changed you. So he's saying, in view of who you are, not in view of who you should be, but in view of who you are, live that life out. And this is the proof that what I'm saying is accurate. Think of these words a second. We read this sometimes when he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We read this as if what Paul is saying is stop being who you are and become somebody else. That's how we read it. But that's not what it says. 
He says, do not, be conform, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That word conform in the Greek is the same word that we translate in other places, masquerade. Do not masquerade. It means literally to put on a mask. We're told in another verse that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He isn't an angel of light. He pretends to be one. Paul is saying here, stop pretending to be part of this world. He's not saying pretend that you're not part of the world. He's saying you're not part of the world, so stop pretending that you are. Then he says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed, we see it one other place in Scripture, and it's translated transfigured. It talks about when Jesus goes up on a mountaintop and he reveals his divinity to James and John and Peter. It's like he takes off the mask that he's been wearing and shows them that he is not just human, he is God. This verse does not say start being someone else. This verse says stop pretending to be someone else and start revealing who you are. Shed your secret identity. Just be more like Iron Man than Superman. Just let everybody know who you are. Or The Flash on TV. Ever watch that? It's like everybody knows that Barry Allen is The Flash. Just be that. Know who you are. Know whom you serve. And hope in that unveiling. Hope doesn't mean wish for it. It means know it. Hope is a, ver- is a word in Scripture that also just means know. It means know for the future. So know who you are, know whom you serve, and know hope in that unveiling of who you are. I don't know where your struggle is today. I'm going to have the worship team start coming up. I don't know where your struggle is today. I don't know if you're like Rocket and you just struggle to believe that you have value in Christ. I don't know if you're like Peter Quill and you're trying to make something of yourself instead of living out who God has made you to be. I don't know if you're like Yandu and you can't believe that God is actually making you and has made you into something amazing because all you can see is the bad choices that you've made in your life. But I want to tell you that identity and purpose are inextricably linked. And there is a chance, there is a reality that you are on this earth because there are good works laid out before you that are just waiting for your arrival. You can be a hero. You are a hero. Stop hiding and conforming behind a mask. Find out what it means to be the person God created, to be a guardian of the galaxy. Heavenly Father, we really ask you that you would just make these points stick for us. Take these deeper. We've glossed over these very quickly and easily what it means to know who we are and to know whom we serve and to hope in the unveiling. Make those resonate with us in new ways this evening.